0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Four of a six-part series on loving-kindness and loving-kindness meditation. Um, as most of you know, my name is Dawn. I've been teaching this for the last few weeks. If you're here for the first time and you want to catch up with us later, you can download the handouts and listen to the talks on audiodharma.org. So it's easy to find. And people are still kind of coming in and getting settled so I just thought it might be nice, at least it would be nice for me to hear if anyone has any questions or comments either from last week or from having been trying the practice at home. Anything? please say
1: your name first. I'm Jim, and uh, last week I mentioned being um, agitated when I moved into the uh, third third of which was the uh, insight meditation part. Yes. And uh, it occurred to me later that what I was really responding to was uh, a sense of vulnerability. Uh, And uh, it may have been that I mean, I just sort of had this sense that at some point in the p- distant, distant past, I'd gotten um, some kind of, when I'd offered something to someone, uh, in a goodwill gesture, I'd gotten thrown back in my face or something disappointing like that. Mm. I, mean, I had a very vague sense of that. But uh, the, the feeling I was then now having was uh, vulnerability.
0: Thank you. I'm wondering when you say that, is that something that has continued as you've continued to practice over this past week?
2: No,
1: I haven't experienced it again. I think, yeah, I mean, maybe I should try to uh, get more into that. That might, uh, yeah, I mean, just invite it to see what happens.
0: You could do that. Um, In general, in meditation, um, I find it's wise not to dig. If it wants to come up, it'll come up. But um, going to look for it can sometimes actually bring it into being more than it might otherwise be. So um, what you're describing in terms of something coming up like that sounds like part of the practice. This is known in Buddhism as a purification practice, which means that it tends to bring up a lot of Emotions we don't necessarily associate with love or kindness, though vulnerability is actually one that we do associate sometimes. So um, it's an opportunity for the mind and the heart to kind of clear house, right? It sounds like maybe something came up and cleared through, at least for a little while for you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes.
1: i'm sorry i missed last week so perhaps a similar question was already asked but when practicing and focusing on people for whom you have positive connotations i was wondering if you had any advice about uh people who have passed on i decided to try to focus on my mother who's been dead for many years and then i kind of got to the point where i thought well where we were talking about may may you be healthy, and I sort of thought, not not to be macabre about it, but I sort of thought, well, too late for that, um, and, and it really took me out of the flow. Although you know, I have a lot of loving kindness for my, mm-hmm. may she rest in peace, mother. Uh, so I'm curious, do you consider that sort of an advanced tactic to focus on people who have passed on, or do you have any advice at all?
0: I'm sure I've got some um, some comments on it. First of all, it's always okay to adapt the meditation. So, if it's for someone who can't be healthy, whether they're dead or for other reasons, you you can leave that out, you can express your love in any kind of way that you're comfortable with, with or without words. Uh, one of the things that we actually covered last week was adapting the phrases to make up your own language. So, that's my first comment, is that... Um, If it doesn't fit, you don't need to use it. Generally, within a given meditation, um, it's good to stick with words that are general enough to where they apply to everybody that you're working with, and that's it. But even that's not a hard and fast rule. The larger question of um, cultivating loving kindness towards someone who has passed away In um, one of the manuals in Buddhism on metta, they recommend not to do that. However, the reason they recommend not to do it is that it doesn't build concentration. There's no moral reason not to do it. So as long as it is something that feels good in your heart and that feels like some kind of positive connection to yourself or to them, I would say it's fine. Just adapt it to how you feel comfortable doing it. Many of us, I mean, many of us have parents or grandparents who passed on, but it's still lovely to express those feelings towards them, right? So, what's your name? Paul. Paul? Okay, thanks, Paul. Thank you. Any other challenges, questions? And then I right to your right as well. Um. Um,
2: uh, first of all, uh, you know, having to focus on this every day, every day... Um, has really been helpful in handling a really difficult problem that has come up for me. Um, I think in the past I would have been really sent on a tailspin. Mm. And this has really helped to keep me focused on, you know, what what do I really wanna do here? Um, on what is really my intention in handling this problem? Uh, and it's kept me out of habitual behavior, which is a great relief. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, that, that the bit about smiling, that helps a lot, too. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just kind of nice to have. That smile kind of reminds me that this is supposed to be a happy thing and not a chore or, you know. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. Beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Hi. Hi.
1: Uh, my name is Brian. And Hi so Brian. first of all, um, this is one of my first experiences with meditation in a class like this, and I've found a lot of benefit already, so thank you. Um, but I had a question, which was that when I started doing this and, you know, I thought, started thinking about event factor, and that worked well, and I could feel these positive emotions. And then, like, shifting to myself, originally I found a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I tried that I <clears throat> thought worked well for me was instead of going from may you be happy to may I be happy, having like this middle ground of may we be happy, like collectively. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if that was something that was like okay to do or if there should be anything I should be cautious about in doing so. Mm-hmm. Anything.
0: Sounds great to me. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you just, that's a beautiful example of using your creativity. If it's may we be happy... Wonderful. And if that's a transition point for you, great. I might, I might use it myself now. <laughs>
1: awesome. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Anybody else? I have time for one more. Yes, in the back. My
3: name is.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. so that I'd start off with one person Mm -hmm. and that would lead me to thoughts of another and then I would include Mm -hmm. that person and it felt like somehow it was a little I was moving through it too fast I mean, not that I've done it but it sort of seemed a bit like speed dating or something (laughs) Speed dating with meta, great (laughs) So um, it is natural. I think it's one of the beautiful things about this practice that as some of the warm feelings build towards one person, our minds will grab on and say, well, them and them and them. And I think that's a natural kind of excitement to have. Um, If it's feeling rushed, I would restrain yourself to the one that you picked to begin with and maybe one more, but try not to gallop through a bunch of them just because... I don't know about for you, but some people find that it it can build a little bit of anxiety to be trying to switch the person very quickly. And one of the benefits of this practice, once we get settled into it, is actually it can be quite calming, um, enlivening and calming, if you let yourself slow down. You might just form a mental cue. It's like, okay, you're next time. <laughs> Make a little mental list of them or or generally wish them well and then just let them drop out the back of your mind for a while. Um, I love the image of speed dating, though. Thank you. you. So, great. Um, I guess before I start talking, I'm wondering if anyone else has challenges they've encountered in their meditation. Um, in particular, I promised I would speak to that and I can give a little talk on it, but it might be more interesting to hear if there's some hiccups.
1: Yeah. Yes. For me, it's just um, generating the actual feeling of um, the loving kindness, feeling like it feels still mechanical that I'm saying the words, but I'm not, I have a hard time really generating that actual feeling like the emotional, although yeah, I experience it well enough in my day-to-day life but when I come to try to actually like generate it it's like it's blocked for some reason
0: okay this is a really common complaint about this practice (laughs) so um some teachers say fake it till you make it and you can do that that's one option is to just keep trying um Going back to an analogy I used a few weeks ago, um, we all have this groundwater. Like you said, you experience this naturally enough in your daily life, right? Um, That's the groundwater in our hearts. This practice is kind of like the pump that draws the water up. And you might need to prime the pump for quite a while before the feelings actually start flowing. So um, it can be... For some people, it happens fairly quickly. For some people, it takes quite some time. It depends on how we relate to our own emotional landscape and subtle relationships in our minds and hearts. But perhaps more importantly, this practice isn't necessarily about making warm feelings happen. That does often occur as a byproduct. However, um, what we're really going for is building intentions. Intentions are way more durable than emotions. And as you start to build those intentions, you're actually forming new neural pathways in your mind that make it easier for those kinds of ways of seeing the world, ways of being with people, ways of feeling motion may organically happen at other times because you've set that inclination in motion. So I know it's a little bit hard to um, maybe set aside the emotional part, but I wouldn't worry about it so much. If, if you're able to hold the intention, are you able to stay concentrated? Then it's going great. <laughs> part of the effect sometimes is finding out that we feel dry or numb, actually. Um, There's all kinds of things that can block our hearts, can get in the way of these kind of feelings. So the practice is doing what it's supposed to do, even if it's not warm and sweet and light and all that stuff. It doesn't mean it's not working. It just means it's working on a different level right now. Thank you. Any other challenges before I start? Yes. Yes.
4: Hi, I'm Lindsay. Hi. Um, So I've been having some challenges uh, last week when we were focusing on ourself. I had a really hard time with that session. Um, I didn't think I would. Um, For some reason, it it seems to be a lot easier for me to be kind to other people. Like, I've just built it up my whole life of being Mm. polite and nice and kind, but then trying to turn it inward was just so difficult because when it went inward, for me, it was... I had to realize I had built up this way of pushing myself that was very critical and really mean and very Mm. just like, go, 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 and, you know, just very... It was hurtful and mean, and so when I turned in and found that, I found it very hurtful, and, you know, I started crying, and it was Mm. just really hard to deal with, but um, out of that, I've spent this whole week trying to focus on self-compassion and self-love because... If I don't have it for myself, how am I like, genuinely gonna give it to other people without having that feeling of it's you know, an obligation or something? So yeah. uh, I have a story, but it's really embarrassing, but I'm gonna tell it anyways. Okay. So I told this to my mom um, and I just ranted about it. So the next day she went out um, and she bought me this baby doll <laughs> um, and when you push it, it has a heart in the middle that lights up and it's <laughs> supposed to be a little love doll and it plays a lullaby. Um, And so she got one with little blonde hair sticking out the front. Um, And she's like, we're going to make the eyes blue so it looks like you. And she's like, I want this to be baby Lindsay. And every time you feel that criticism coming in, I want you to take that feeling of nurturing a baby or someone you care about Mm -hmm. and bring it to yourself. And I want to see if this works. You know, it was our experiment. Um, And so I was kind of like, oh to do with this Uh, but okay I'll try it and the first day I woke up that morning feeling really anxious it's my natural tendency to be really stressed out Um, and so I was freaking out and I was starting to judge myself for not feeling happy because I'm practicing meta Uh, so I'm just like "Ah," of myself Um, and I look over and I see the doll and instantly I just smile at it because it just looks like a baby and so I just was like oh well and I grabbed it Um, and I was just like it's okay baby Lindsay like and I just calmed it but It's so small that by calming it, I was also holding myself. Um, So it was just weird interaction of just somehow by comforting the doll, but associating it with myself and just hugging myself and letting myself be okay with the idea of comforting myself. I felt like a three-year-old, but I just kind of had to let go of that. And just, it really worked though. Like I just had this rush of just really positive emotion and love and compassion and, I just kind of got up and had a whole new start to my morning and it's, yeah, it's silly, so <laughs> but, I don't know, I just so I've been having a hard time with the self-compassion because I feel like it's very uh, just ingrained and conditioned so if you have any advice, <laughs> yeah, you know, that'd be great. Thank
0: you for sharing that story um, it's silly and it's also really touching Um. um I do. Self-criticism is epidemic in our culture, as far as I can tell. It certainly was my experience when first coming to practice as well. Um, One of the classic ways of addressing it is actually similar to what your mom suggested, which is to kind of get underneath the emotion Or get into the emotion and underneath the criticism, is what I'm trying to say. Underneath the words and tap into the feeling that's driving them. It's like, oh, that hurts. And then to soothe the part of our mind or our heart that that complaint or criticism is coming from, just like you would a toddler or a child, a baby. So um, you had an extra symbol you were working with. (laughs) But... um, many people find to actually either envision themselves through the eyes of a protector or to envision actually comforting some part of themselves to work fairly well. If that doesn't work for you, um, I think Sokni Rinpoche is the one who taught this on a retreat, said, um, when your thoughts are unkind like that, treat them the same way you would misbehaving children. It's like, go out and play. (laughs) Or soothing, or, you know, but not to take them too seriously. That it's okay to connect with the feeling underneath and empathize with the feeling underneath without believing everything the mind is yammering on and on and on about. Just like my, my niece when she was three was inventing these wild stories, right? About cats driving Cadillacs down the middle of the highway and that kind of thing. I can empathize with her And enjoy her or connect with her without believing that the cat is driving the Cadillac. (laughs) So I'm using a really simple example, a silly example, but um, the emotions quite real. Notice the impact of the emotion, hold it, but um, I would take the words with a truckload of salt, actually. Another thing that um, I find helpful with inner criticism is um, ask myself, what is the impact of believing that thought? This is a little bit like what Byron Katie writes about, right? Notice the impact of of believing the thought, and it's like, do I really want to go there? Do I want to get on that train? And acknowledge the thought as a thought, and then it has a lot less power all of a sudden this practice tends to make us much more conscious of when we're not kind. That's part of its function. So as we see when we're not kind, we start being able to make a conscious decision to shift our internal perspective, to back off and let go. Does that help a little bit? Okay. Um. One more challenge or... No. Anybody? Okay. So I have, um, I think, recovered most of them. I have one more I want to talk about just a little bit, which is what happens if intense emotion comes up? So numbness or blankness, um, apathy, self-criticism are perhaps a little bit more common responses, but it is not unknown, and I've had it myself, for intense rushes of emotion to happen. Positive and negative. Like I said, this is a purification practice, which is a kind way of saying it's flushing all the crap out. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so, um, if you end up with, in a case with intense emotions, don't be surprised if some gunk is coming out of the well as you're getting to your groundwater, that mud. Part of it is just knowing that that's naturally part of the process. Um, Something that can help is to just mentally, you know how we've been talking about internal posture? Mentally take a step back and let the emotion move through in times like that. Give it some air, give it some space. So if I've got a lot of anger, for example, coming up, the last thing I want to do is be pushing, may you be happy, may you be healthy, like, and start this internal kind of battle with myself about how I should be feeling. It's much kinder to step back and just let the anger be anger and let it move through. Once more, not buying into the story. Um, Another thing that can be helpful is to shift to mindfulness meditation for a little while. So those of you who have had experience with um, insight meditation, mindfulness meditation, you know that when you shift to being conscious of your body and the changes and sensations in your body, that's typically how emotions show up for us. That's how we know that they're emotions. And that can be a little bit more grounding than um, staying with the emotion as construct or emotion as thought part. If it still feels too intense I would say two things. One is don't necessarily focus on your breath. Because breath mostly happens from here to here, right? It's also where most of our emotions happen physically in our bodies. So um, noticing the weight of your body on the ground, on the cushion, on the chair. Noticing um, hands and feet. And if things feel really intense, shifting to noticing sound or sight. That tends to expand the mind out a little bit. And um, sometimes with emotions, it feels like we're one with them and they're kind of taking us for a ride. It'll shift the dynamic away from that. I guess the only other thing that I thought of in my own practice that I've had come up with loving-kindness meditation is distraction. There's something about having the words in there that my mind sometimes likes to hook up with the words and go off into other words and other conversations and go other places. Um, The first thing to do is when you notice it, just... Try to gently stop talking, (laughs) whatever it is you're saying. (laughs) You can switch to a shorter phrase, like, be happy, or just happy, or healthy, or whatever words are working for you. That can help quiet things down a little bit. And then um, the other thing that many people find useful is to really engage with your creativity. Stoke the interest up. Switch it up. Change the phrases change the visualization, imagine some kind of internal gesture, some different way of sending love and kindness And that might help re-engage our um, very amped up minds, since we're used to a lot of stimulus, right? So um, it's okay to get creative and it's definitely okay to get a little bit playful, actually, and silly. Goofy is fine This is a meditation in which it's perfectly fine to laugh Actually Encourage it if it happens Don't stop it <laughs> So um, It works even when it's not working Just remember that No matter what your experience is No matter how much you're doing it it will. Little bits of it will seep in I think I've talked enough for a little while. How about we settle into a little bit of practice? So um, let your eyes soften, settle into a comfortable position, close your eyes when you feel ready. take a moment to check your internal posture as well if it's helpful take two or three breaths deep in your belly and just exhale your day away Then let go of any attempt to control your breathing. And let the breath just be natural. Soothe, soften any tension away. Settle into your body. And as you do, collect your attention around your heart center, the center of your chest. Calling to mind a person or a being who's benefited you in some way. can imagine their face, or evoke a feeling of their presence. Remembering, perhaps, a moment when they offered their kind, accepting support, attention, or care. Allow any warm feelings to grow. And set the intention to cultivate goodwill. Focus your intention using any words or phrases that work for you. If it's helpful, you can place your hand over your heart or let a smile come to your lips. use the classic phrases if you like. Be happy. Be well. Be safe. Be peaceful. Or any words that work. Just allow the meaning of the words to carry you. Put yourself in their seat for a moment, visualizing yourself as they see you. Perhaps feeling, seeing, appreciated. Turning the same short phrases, carrying the same intentions towards the person in your seat. See if you can let the phrases build to a rhythm, just as if you're striking a gong, saying poetry or tune. Let the rhythm fill you, carry you. bringing to mind someone now at the edges of your life a stranger or someone you don't know well cashier neighbor maybe imagine an interaction with them or something you've seen them doing regularly. Reflect. This person too has hopes and fears, others who depend on them. This person wants to be happy, free from suffering and fear, just like we do. Now see how it feels to offer them the same kindness and well-wishes in whatever way works for you. letting go now of this person letting go of any phrases soften into this moment right now bask in just being here reflect, perhaps. We resonate with one another's sorrows, difficulties, and joy because we are all interconnected by this wish. Everyone wants to be happy. Avoid suffering. Be at ease. All people, all beings. By opening our hearts, we transform ourselves and the lives that we touch. Take a moment to appreciate the generosity of doing this practice. If you didn't grab a hand out on the way in, perhaps you could grab one now and stretch if you need to, just a moment or two, and then we're going to come back. Is this better? Thanks. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you to turn to two other people, preferably that you have not talked to before in this class. Um, If you want to opt out of these exercises, you always can. Um, But buddy up with two others, one other if you have trouble. And we have a discussion question I'm going to ask you guys to talk about for a few minutes. It's on your handout on the same page as the two columns under discussion question, which is, what qualities or actions do you notice and appreciate in people you don't really know? Or what kind of kindness do you notice people expressing? So if you'd rather reflect on this by yourself, you can, but I'm going to ask you to take, like, five minutes or so to talk about this with each other if you're comfortable doing that. If you don't find a partner, start walking up towards me. Okay. Good. And we're good.
2: Hi.
0: So you're always so much more lively talking to each other than when I'm talking. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so... Um, even though I'm really curious, I'm not going to ask what you talked about this time, because we're short on time, but maybe next time you'll tell me, give me a report. Um, as you may have guessed, or I may have even said, we're talking about um, cultivating loving-kindness for neutral people <coughs> and for friends today. Neutral people meaning anyone at the edges of our lives. Could be a total stranger you see on the street, the coworker you don't know very well, whoever. Um, I think one of the questions that came up for me when I first heard about this practice is, why bother like, cultivating for people we don't know? You know, it's not like um, they'll necessarily notice. You know, they, we may not even tell them, right? So, um, There's a number of reasons, and I'm going to start actually with quoting Gil Fronstel from his manuscript, Boundless. This is metta as mutual benefit, basically, is the way I think of it. He says, the Buddha did not teach altruism, nor did he teach a self-centered spiritual path. He didn't see the spiritual life as involving a sharp dualism between the self and others. The path doesn't entail a trade-off between either benefiting yourself or benefiting others. Rather, the Buddha assumed the opposite. As long as no one is harmed, benefiting oneself benefits others and benefiting others benefits oneself. Part of the marvel of loving-kindness is that in loving others, the person doing the loving benefits taking time and effort to have kindness for others is actually a form of kindness to ourselves. That says it to me pretty clearly. Whether that person on the street ever knows, you know. I know if I'm cultivating it. I know if I'm cultivating resentment, or impatience, or kindness, and openness. (coughs) And I feel it. (coughs) So... um, Love and kindness for neutral people is basically an experiment. I like to think of it as an experiment in attention and an experiment in emotion. And we've talked a fair amount about the emotional side of this in the last few weeks, so I'm going to focus a little bit more on the attention side of it right now. Um, I was reflecting this morning, getting ready for this talk, that perhaps for myself, um, other than... Life and decent health, attention might be the most precious resource to me that I have. If we think about it, if we've lost the capacity to pay attention, we don't have very much. We can't be present for our lives. Now, there are advanced degenerative diseases that basically are a loss of ability to pay attention or to concentrate. So it's a critical and valuable capacity, a resource, that each of us have. So, metta practice actually really cultivates this. There is a lot of attention paid to the emotional side of metta practice but in traditional Buddhist scriptures, one of its main functions is a concentration practice, attentional control. And recent science studies have actually started to show that this is a capacity that this practice has. As we were talking before, independent of whether or not warm feelings happen, changes in concentration and attention do happen. There's a study by Hutcherson, Cappella, and Gross that I actually put on your handout as a citation that shows that after just eight weeks of meditation, loving-kindness meditation, not mindfulness meditation per se, that um, these fairly beginning meditators were tested before and after a 15-minute session of meditation and had noticeably better attentional control and concentration afterwards. 15 minutes. It changed my strategy for taking tests in graduate school, let me tell you. I'm serious. (laughs) Okay, now I know what I'm going to do for the last 15 minutes. I'm not cramming, you know. So, um, the takeaway about this, from my view, is that whether or not we notice changes happening in our hearts, and we very well may notice changes happening in our hearts, that is eventually the point of this practice is to shift our intentions. But even if we don't see that, metta is changing our minds. Anyway, the intention to attention, the attention to intention, that actually can shift things neurologically in measurable ways. And this study only showed trait, state changes, not trait changes, but it was only eight weeks. Most of us, it takes us longer than that to build muscles, you know? <laughs> so um, I find it to be hopeful, personally. the other aspect to loving-kindness as an experiment is that it starts to show us a contrast to the other attitudes in our hearts and minds. We talked about this a little bit in the Q&A, right? So, as we start to pay attention to the intention of being friendly, of offering goodwill, of being benevolent, any time that that's not the case, shows up in pretty sharp relief. It's almost like a painting where there's highlights and shadows, right? It can be all gray and you don't really see very much difference, but as soon as you start putting in highlights of, it would be nice to feel kind more often. All of a sudden I notice when I feel irritable, too. Because that's not kind, is it? (laughs) So in this sense, loving-kindness practice is actually a real support to mindfulness of mind practice, mindfulness of attitudes, of thoughts, feelings. So it's important to balance the loving-kindness with the mindfulness and to also balance the benefit that we, or the generosity we offer towards others with what we offer to ourselves. And I'm not necessarily talking about external generosity, I'm just talking about in here, right? There's a famous teaching story, the acrobat story, that is in the suttas. And I'm just going to paraphrase it, but, um, you know, picture ancient India or South Nepal, and these acrobats are, they're like street performers, right? And this is how they make their money. And they're making their money by climbing up on a bamboo pole and balancing with each other, these two people. And there's a master and an apprentice, and the master says to the apprentice, you look after me, I'll look after you, and that way we'll both get down safely and collect our fee. And the apprentice, it's kind of a cheeky thing to do in that day and age, looked up at her master and she said, no, that's not how it works. I look after my balance, you look after your balance and that way we both descend the pole safely at the end of our performance and collect our fee. And it's the Buddha who's actually telling this story in the suttas and he says the apprentice is right. Each of the acrobats needs to look to their own balance in order to take care of the other person. They need to look after themselves. And he makes the analogy that that is protecting ourselves, taking care of ourselves through mindfulness. And that part of the story I've heard a lot. I actually didn't remember the second part until I looked it up, which is he said that the master also had a point in that we can take care of each other. And how do we take care of each other? By loving kindness Caring And patience If we offer that to others Then we are taking care of ourselves As well It improves our relationships Improves the way we move through the world So The end of the sutra I'll just read this short quote Looking after oneself one One looks after others Looking after others one looks after oneself. So... this is a little bit of a wisdom perspective on loving-kindness practice, I guess. Um, We can consciously balance our own mindfulness of where we're at with this cultivation of these warm feelings or these positive ideals and intentions. That's one level of balance. And then the other balance is noticing how concerned we are with our needs and the needs of others. And I can't tell you what the right balance is for you. There are some people in this room, possibly, who might be more concerned with their own needs to the detriment of their relationships with others. And there are probably some people in this room who are more concerned with the needs of others to the detriment of themselves. Only you know when and where you fall on either side of that. And for many of us it's not like we're one or the other all the time, right? We're doing this. So, it's a question to ask. What needs to be cultivated right now for my own balance and for the welfare of those around me? And It's a question to ask during this practice as well, not while you're on the cushion necessarily, not while you're sitting in formal practice, but as an exploration as you go through your day, perhaps. It's an especially important question to ask when you practice metta for good friends, spouses, partners, lovers, There's a couple of ways to practice this practice with um, good friends. And I left them until the fourth week because this is one of the more challenging categories, actually. Um, The simple way to practice with a good friend is to use them as a muse. Let the friendship lift your heart. So that way you just kind of imagine a good time with them, a moment... An interaction, something that makes your heart smile, and use that to kind of enliven your practice and get you going before you hit some of the other categories. In that way a good friend can be used as a replacement for the benefactor. might even be the same person as the benefactor. The good friend doesn't have to be human. Analeo Bhikkhu, a very um, well-known translator, scholar, monk, meditation teacher, uh, once sat in this very hall and explained that sometimes he uses a very cute Sri Lankan squirrel to start his practice. So, nothing's off limits, you know. <laughs> if, um, if puppy dogs or kittens or squirrels work, go for it. If we really take on loving kindness for a good friend, though, as a category, it's more complicated. Um, it means maybe not complicated, there's more complexity. We may notice, oh, I have all these wonderful, warm feelings about this person, except for that one time. <laughs> right? Because once we have history with someone, no one, none of us meet each other perfectly all the time. It just doesn't happen. So there's that. And then, especially with those that we have closer relationships too, there's balancing the different threads of the relationship. So, um, is it for the pleasure of being with this person? Or is this truly for their benefit and mine? Right? Is this enabling? Is it healthy? Is another way of framing that question. Um... If one is in an intimate relationship, it can be a beautiful thing to do, to practice with one's partner. And that also introduces a level of complexity, of teasing out the layers, of, like what parts of this are truly for wishes, for selfless wishes for their welfare, and what parts are desire? Or wanting them to be a certain way, or wanting a certain thing? And not that any of those layers are necessarily bad, but to differentiate them from each other. Because some of them are romantic love, or grasping, or lust, or desire, and some of them are metta. So it becomes a very subtle practice when we start practicing it with people we care about. Whether they're nieces, or sisters, or parents, or partners. So, I think that's all I have to say about this. These two categories of people, i going to suggest that you, um, unless you have a lot of time, consider alternating. One day for benefactor self, neutral person, the next day, benefactor self, good friend. It can also be really interesting just to do something to warm you up and then compare the neutral person and the good friend that's another way that this practice can be an experiment is well why do I have warm feelings for this set of people and not that set of people what blocks my heart from growing the focus no matter what is on Intention and welfare over warm feelings in this practice. And not to beat yourself up if you're not feeling anything or if you're not feeling what you think you should be feeling. Because it works even when it's not working. So, um, that's what I have to say about these two new categories. I'm sure there's a lot more to say, but that's what occurred to me tonight. Are you up for another meditation? All right. Settle back. Please take a comfortable sitting posture. Just let yourself settle in. Maybe take a breath or two consciously, if that's helpful. And bring to mind a person or a being who makes your heart light up. A smile come to your face. it's helpful to close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, you can do that. Imagine this person in a moment in time. You remember being happy, content with them. As if you're with them right now even. You might remember some of their endearing qualities. What it is you like or appreciate or love about them. Now, gently collect your attention, keeping this person in mind, around your heart. Center of your chest, including your heart. You might imagine making some kind of gesture of kindness towards them within you, whether it's a smile, a look, an offering, a touch. Imagine offering them your warm-hearted intentions in an open-handed way. And letting go of this person your meditation muse. Turn this kind awareness towards the person in your seat, your body, clarifying. Focusing your intentions by rhythmically repeating words or very short phrases inside. Perhaps even imagining an offering with your hand or your heart at the same time. Be happy. Be peaceful.
3: Be well. Be at ease.
0: Whatever works for you. Letting the intention move through you. Motion of emotion. Each phrase like striking a bell. Letting the intentions resonate, reverberate through you. You find yourself distracted, gently let go of other thoughts, return to the rhythm of metta. Pausing with the phrases, let the meaning resonate. Your wish to be happy, healthy, at ease, free of suffering. See if you can. Open your heart to the other people in this room. In this room, there are stories you will never know. (coughs) There are talents, Capacities, hopes, fears, challenges. In this room, in this neighborhood, there is (coughs) pain, heartbreak, courage, and optimism. There are hopes and dreams, accomplishments and integrity. Just like each of us, people in this room, this block, this neighborhood, have their own sorrows, blind spots, fears, needs, generosities and nobility. We aren't so different, it's just the details that change. Most of them don't change that much. If any of us were born in a different body, to different parents, different set of conditions, we would be a product of those causes and conditions. All of us share the basic wish to be peaceful, happy, safe, free of suffering. See if you can allow a wish for the welfare and happiness of those around you in this building, this block, this town, to radiate out from your body with each phrase like the resonance of a bell. Refreshing your intentions with words, whatever words you've chosen. for the last moments of this meditation. Letting go of any phrases, images. Just be here now.
2: Bask.
0: Savor. So um, we had a couple of requests to practice the chant from last week again. It is on your handouts, um, which I don't have a copy of, so I'm going to do my best to remember it up here. Um, I'm going to sing the first half of it. And then we can um, chant it all together and follow along the best (coughs) you can. And next week we'll do the second verse which goes exactly like the first verse as far as the tune except that it's missing one line. You may notice. Do you have a sheet? Do you have one in the sheet? You don't? Okay.
3: All right. May I abide in well being, in freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will. In freedom from anxiety, and may I maintain well being in myself. You want to try it one more time with all of us? All right. May I abide in. in freedom from hostility.
0: one quick recap which is um, that story I said before the scientific anecdote I gave before about attention is based on practicing at least five days a week so there is a dose effect with this meditation my friends encourage you To practice as much as you can and not beat yourself up when you can't. And if you want to take the opportunity to deepen this practice and delve a little bit more into the concentration side of it, there is a day-long on Metta this Saturday here at IMC, taught by Andrea Fella, who along with Gil is one of my mentoring teachers, very good teacher. She's going to be teaching the classic categories, and I think she's actually going to go through them in the order that they were originally devised, unlike I did, so self-benefactor, etc. It's a beautiful way to dive into this practice a little bit more, and it is definitely different than the same number of hours over a number of days. It has a cumulative effect over a day. Um, So... I'll be managing in the morning so maybe I'll see some of you there and um, next week we will talk about the difficult person so stay tuned (laughs) thank you, good night (laughs)